It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme tonight, we go to Dublin to talk to Chef Grania O'Keefe about her new restaurant, May, collaborating with fellow chefs and the Chef Supper Club. I head back to the new market in Newcastle West to talk to Suzanne Nash about her frozen yogurt smoothie business, Raw, and then we stay local to talk to award-winning farmers Michael and Mary Ida McCarthy from FINA in West Limerick, this year's winners of the 2021 National Dairy Council and Kerrygold Quality Milk Awards. But before I tell you more about that, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by emailing me, s.noonan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. And I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So first up tonight, it's Grania O'Keefe, who is chef patron of the newly opened May restaurant in Dublin. She's also a culinary director of Bujo Burger Joint and she's been awarded the prestigious food and wine best chef under 30 accolade and appeared on the TV show Beyond the Menu with fellow chef Mark Moriarty. One of her latest projects involves a meal kit experience that you can enjoy this weekend and I recently spoke to Gronya by Zoom to find out more. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. You're, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks a million for taking the time to talk to me. And I want to congratulate you first up with your new restaurant. It's called May. Tell us a bit about it. Um, thanks, Mel, for having me. Yeah, the restaurant is in Boss Bridge in Dublin Court. Uh, it's been open about a month now. And it's named after my grandmother. So my grandmother was called May, um, hence the name. So it's M-A-E. Um, and it is above the French Paradox wine shop. Um, so there's a big focus on wine. We do wine pairings with the with the menu. It's a set menu. Um, so it's a fixed menu of five courses. Um, I'm just kind of focus on you know seasonal Irish ingredients and using you know good quality Irish buyers. Um, and just keeping that keeping it quite simple. At the moment we have capacity for 16 people. Um, just because of COVID restrictions. And then once the restrictions ease a little bit, I'm hoping you know we'll, we'll have a bit more room. Um, but yeah, that's it. I mean, it's going well. So. All good. And people might recognise your voice from being on Beyond the Menu with Mark Moriarty. You were one of the, the finalists in the Eurotalk Young Chef Awards a number of years ago. And tell us a bit about, you know, you've mentioned your grandmother there, May. She must have had an influence on in you growing up and your passion for cooking and baking. Did you always plan to, to be a chef or just tell us a bit about your, your childhood and growing up and how you ended up in this particular profession. I'm from Dublin, but my grandparents are from Leitrim. Um, so I would have spent a good bit of time down in Leitrim when I was younger. And my grandfather um, was actually with chef in the army years ago. Um, and my grandmother and him had a farm down in Leitrim. Um, so they you know, grew all their own vegetables, they had cattle. Um, and the food then there was just always, well, it was proper like country food. 
but it was just like I didn't realize at the time when I was younder why it was so good or why I had such fond memories it's obviously like it's your grandparents as well but like the food was always like local and fresh and just like just pretty like what is really trendy now is something that they would have done because there was no other option um and they they had a huge influence on just my life in general but in terms of like becoming a chef I think everyone was quite surprised because like I grew up on like I know fish fingers and beans and like thinnest crispy pancakes <laughs> and like you know like jars jars of like tomato sauce like and make a spaghetti bolognese throw some dry thyme into it and think that was Gordon Ramsay <laughs> um but I I really I had a big interest in food I used to read a lot of cookbooks I used to get them from the little mobile library um and I'd watch uh cooking shows and tv and I just knew it was what I wanted to do um, and I, I wanted to learn more about food and there was something about the, the just the way chefs worked and the kind of camaraderie in the kitchen as well and that lifestyle that also really appealed to me um, so I when I finished school I went straight into DIT I did the Vulture Ireland course when I was 17 and I started working in a restaurant full-time as well and then I just had a look back so that was um I think about 13 years ago now um which is yeah, it's actually kind of, kind of a long time ago, but it went really quickly, really quickly. And then the Young Chef competition was, I think it was maybe about 22 when I did that. Um, it's just funny because I think, you know, me and Mark and everyone in, in that kind of competition that, you know, was just kind of known as Young Chefs for years, even though I'm like 30 now, I think people still kind of <laughs> refer to me as like Young Chef. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was that. I'd, like I just kind of progressed. So I did two years in college, graduated, um, I just worked full time in restaurants ever since. And last year, you did a collaboration with a burger company, which was hugely successful. Um, I wonder, did it actually exceed your expectations? Yeah, I've been working with Bujo for like six years now. So for like two years before we even opened the first one, um, I was developing the menu, um, the sustainability policy. So we're the only three star rated burger focused restaurant from the same restaurant association in London. Um, and I do, you know, the, the policies, make sure that everything that we do is in line with our sustainability ethos. Um, and then also, yeah, developing the menu, doing the collaborations. Um, and we launched, um, we launched that at home meal kit like a couple of days after COVID hit initially. Um, I did that, you know, the, the takeaway or the take home meal kits um, delivered nationwide in Ireland. Um, and we do collaborations continuously. Um, so whether it's with rugby players or other chefs or meat lovers, like we, we do collaborations at least once a month. Um, and we actually have a new one that's going to be really cool. It's uh, with Wicklow Wolf. It's going to have like tomahawk steaks, the Bujo burgers, uh, pepper sauce, like all the kind of trimmings that you need for a good barbecue and of course like with global beers as well. It's going to be really cool. And it's the first time kind of doing uh, like a proper steak as well in the kit. That's going to be fun. Do you enjoy collaborations like that, working with other different chefs or food producers using different ingredients, doing different campaigns that are outside of the restaurant now? yeah I love doing it like it's it's really cool like it's it's for me it's a lot of fun um I love burgers um and I love that style of food you know like kind of like quick food but done really well um and being able to do collaborations with, with like you know peers like so like the kale 
from chapter one, did one, um, Connor Murray did one like two months ago and he used, you know, Schneem, Black Pudding and Kerry, like just kind of people using Irish suppliers that probably wouldn't be that well known um, and being able to introduce it to different parts of the country and to different people. Um, it's really nice and being able to highlight kind of smaller producers. And it's just, it's fun for me because it's, you know, getting to work with my mates on, you know, doing burgers and everyone looks a good burger, so. It's a great network. The chef world is a, is a great community network. I'm sure you know chefs from all corners of Ireland and even beyond all over the world that you can call on and work with and collaborate with. Um, it must be really refreshing to have that little black book of contacts it is and it's, it's nice because I like pre-covid I travel a lot and you know I, I might I go to London a lot for the weekend or maybe go to Paris or you know take a, a week trip and go to New York and there's like I'd say I know a chef nearly every city and if I don't I would know a chef who would know a chef so when you're going like you just get a list of recommendations and they're always good like chefs always like if you're ever going away always ask the chef where to go for drinks where to go for food because they'll know like the weirdest, darkest spots, and they're the places you want to be, like the good places. You know, like if you ask a chef in Dublin where to go, like they're never gonna send you to Temple Bar. Like they're gonna send you to M and L for like Szechuan food, and then they're gonna tell you to go for margaritas and triple seven. You know, like yeah, it's just it is like the chef network is it's just it's kind of like tight knit, but it's it's good. It's really good. And one of the other projects that you're involved in at the moment is the Chef Supper Club. Explain what that's all about. So the Chef Supper Club is really, really cool. Um, Damien Gray from Leah, who he's the chef from Leah, I'm chef owner. Um, and he has created this idea where different chefs from Ireland and different parts of Ireland uh, create a menu. And that menu is done to that chef's recipe. Um, so all the prep is, you know, done in the box already. People order it and then it gets sent to their house or they collect it. Um, and then they cook along live with the chef whose menu it is. So I'm doing it on the 26th um, of this month. And it's going to be a lunchtime experience. And it's, it's based on, you know, leaf drum and kind of recipes um, and a menu just designed around my memories from there. And the people who buy the kit will be cooking it alongside me at home via a link um, and yeah like it'll just be a lot of fun it's interactive but it's also a way to try different chefs from around the country's food without actually having to go visit their county um, and their restaurants and uh, it's probably it's not like like there, there was a lot of meal kits and stuff done you know during COVID but this one is different in that Damien has actually hired a full you know team of really skilled chefs to actually put the, the whole experience together um so it's you know really 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 probably the only meal kit experience at that level um that has this much you know work involved in it so it is something special um and we're actually we're going to be doing pickups in Cork, Limerick and Galway as well um for my kit so I think people will have to you know pre-book and pay for it um and then the pickup points will be announced a couple of days beforehand as well. So that makes it more accessible to people in all parts of the country, which is fantastic. And I think the word experience is very important there because 
it's it's not just about the eating of the food it's about the experience of cooking it yourself maybe learning some new skills finding out about new ingredients that you've never encountered before so it's a great way to spend an evening yeah it is and it's 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 just kind of fun as well it's actually it's, it's a really good gift for someone like if I if it was someone's birthday or I just wanted to treat someone or, you know, someone hasn't been gone out much, it's it's a really nice treat for them, especially if they love cooking um, because it's something that they maybe they didn't actually know it was on. And there's there's different experiences as well. So mine is on the 26th of September. Caron Sweeney had one last week. Um, he's on Donegal. Uh, Michael Tweedy's is doing one. And there's a couple of other chefs, but then there's also like Tara Gartland, who's the pastry chef in Chapter 1 is doing a, a gluten-free baking course that's continuous. Um, I think it's like six six or eight weeks. Um, and that's going to be really interesting because it's something that like no one really does. Um, but she's amazing. She's a really incredible chef. So, to, you know, to be able to kind of do an interactive baking class with her, it's just, it's a good gift for someone, especially, you know, if you know Celia. It's, uh, actually, my housemate's a celiac. I might buy, <laughs> I might buy a firm. <laughs> Well, listen, there's there's no doubt you're a very busy woman, lots of different balls in the air, juggling everything. And in terms of the future for Grania O'Keefe, what's your vision for yourself in the next 10 years? What are your um, dreams and goals and, and where do you hope to be in terms of the, that chefing space in 10 years? Um, I think so. Like I I'm kind of like overwhelmed at the moment with the restaurant and that like still trying to kind of figure out exactly what I'm doing. Um, and once I kind of get a handle on that, um, I can, I can kind of focus on long-term. I think I would probably in, in a year's time would like to open, you know, maybe a small kind of wine bar. Um, I just do, you know, small plates and, and, and I focus on wine. Um, but I want to learn more about wine from the guys in the French Paradox downstairs first. Um, and then I would say in 10 years time, my goal would be to probably have like a few different restaurants, different kind of concepts. Um, but obviously the, the focus will very much be on May. You know, it'll be, it will always be the baby. <laughs> um, but you never know. I mean, you never know. I kind of try and not make plans that long term because I find that if you do sometimes something else can come up and, and you won't you know you won't do it because it will get in the way of your plan that you have and you might miss an opportunity so try and always kind of keep a little bit open because um, I wasn't planning to open a restaurant initially um, it just happened so we'll see see what happens well, congratulations on opening it. We wish you all the very best with it. And in the meantime, if anybody wants to find out about the Chef Supper Club, the web address is chefsupperclub.com. And I presume you yourself, you're probably on social media. If anybody wants to connect with you or find out more about May, where should they go to online? Um, so for the restaurant website, it's mayrestaurant.ie. And the Instagram is at May Restaurant, and then my Instagram is at Grony43. Um, <laughs> everyone always asks what the 43 is about, and it's like, I think it was just when I was creating it, you know, like I put in Grony, it was like, wasn't an option. So it's just like 43, and then like that was years ago, and now it's just kind of like, like my nickname is actually <laughs> 43, <laughs> so I just keep it. Um, so that's, that's what that's about, in case anyone's wondering. Always interesting to know. 
as as the queen of org on Twitter, it's short for organization. And somebody <laughs> somebody recently thought it was queen of frog, but it's not queen of org. Gronya, it's been great to meet you and to talk Bye. to you for the first time. And look, do keep in touch with all your different projects and plans um, so we can update the listeners here because it's always great to, to talk to, to such inspirational young people like yourself. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me on. Hopefully I will talk to you again soon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Chef Gronya O'Keefe shared details of her culinary career to date, which includes her newly opened May restaurant in Dublin and this weekend's Chef Supper Club Bring the Restaurant Home Experience. It's a unique Sunday lunch menu inspired by the tastes and flavours that Gronya remembers from her childhood visits to her grandparents in Leitrim. And May Restaurant is actually called after her grandmother, which is a lovely touch. Sommelier Catherine Bell has selected two exquisite wines and a champagne to complement this menu. And if you visit thechefsupperclub.com, you'll get more details there. If you are just tuning in now and you missed that, you can catch up on the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are also available to listen to in all the usual places. They're on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come on the programme this evening, we will be hearing from husband-wife team Michael and Mary Ida McCarthy, who farm in Fina in West Limerick and were recently awarded the 2021 National Dairy Council and Kerrygold Quality Milk Awards. But before that, I am returning to the recently launched Farmers Market in Newcastle West. Last week, I spoke to Owen Considine from Casa Street Kitchen, who, along with his partner Gregory Brown, set up the market just up Nash's Lane there across from the Aldi car park, and it is doing extremely well. If you haven't visited yet, be sure to drop down this Saturday. It's open from half past 10 in the morning to half past two in the afternoon, and there really is a fantastic atmosphere. Last Saturday, on my weekly trip, I met up with another budding food entrepreneur. Suzanne Nash is a GMIT graduate from Askeaton and I spoke to her to find out all about Raw, which is her frozen yogurt food truck. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Suzanne, how are you this morning? Hi Sharon, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> a mental morning here for raw goodness. Oh, it's never stopped, so always go, 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 trust me. <laughs> well, come here, you must tell us about your business. I was here last week at the market and you were selling your, your smoothies and your frozen yogurt shakes and everything. The business called Raw Goodness. Yeah, that's it. So it's all mine at the moment. Um, it's a one-man show. Um, I'm lucky I have Laura, who started a couple of weeks ago with me, so she's great help. Um, so we go around to different markets and we sell smoothies and soft serve frozen yogurt and then we do our all different range of toppings as well so your luxury toppings from fair rochers, nutella your strawberry sauces belgian white chocolate um, so you add on a range of toppings but yeah it's going quite well at the moment i mean it is go 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 i mean it like i said you're always on the road and there's always some obstacles like you see this morning but um it's great yeah i mean it's funny 
I get called kind of a young entrepreneur and I even get people coming up to me going it's a great part-time job and I think it's because I look so young I mean I'm 23 but you know um, it, it's quite funny when people come up they don't think it's my own but it's yeah my little lockdown project um, it succeeded anyway which is great well you look know? tell us how it, it all came about what, what is your own background are you from West Limerick yep so I'm near Skeeton side um, I actually went to college in GMIT and I studied there for four years um, three doing business with event management and one year doing general business um, so I moved back home in my final year of college and I mean it was tough going um, but it gets a bit monotonous, you know, you're at home every day, you're in the same routine. So I had this in my head for a couple of months and I turned around to my father going, I think I'm just going to go with it. I mean, what's the worst that can happen, you know? I mean, if you believe in yourself, you're halfway there and that's what I've stuck by. Um, so it's my little lockdown project and it's gone extremely well, which I'm delighted for. Well, the unit itself is a horse fox. So it is. Do you come from a farm or a farming background? No, it's funny. I get asked that question quite a lot, actually, but no. Um, luckily, one of my father's friends, uh, he was selling it at the time. I saw the opportunity and I took it. I was like, these things are quite rare to pick up at the moment, as you see there's all these memes on Facebook like what is a horse actually doing in a horse box these days you know um, so when I saw the opportunity I literally just took it I grabbed it I bought it and started from scratch and why frozen yogurt um, so in Limerick at the moment it's not widely available uh, especially the fat free and the low sugar a lot of the time frozen yogurt has a high sugar content and I really wanted to steer away from that um, Luckily, I had a friend back in November who we used to, we were in the same social bubble during lockdown. So we used to go out for walks. And again, she was a big coffee, tea drinker, but that just wasn't me. And I've never drank tea or coffee. Couldn't find somewhere to get a low calorie, low sugar treat. Um, so that's where I literally sparked the idea from. And I was like, Limerick needs this. Um, if I can up and run it in Limerick and if it succeeds really well in Limerick, I obviously want to expand it. And go from there and in terms then of the variations there's different toppings and there's different versions for example last week we had a Liam Neeson yes. so tell us about that range that so you're doing. the smoothies all have a different name they all have an Irish background I actually sat down one evening I was like I need to make this something different I don't want to call it a banana strawberry smoothie they're everywhere you go so I wanted to make it that bit different sat down one evening and I remember just googling like Irish Golden Globe winners uh, and that's where the Liam Neeson came from. He's an Irish background, Golden Globe winner. And when you receive your Liam Neeson smoothie, it's actually in a yellow colour. So I kind of based it off the colour of the smoothies. And what's the most popular one in the range? Well, the Liam Neeson is quite popular. Really? Uh, also the Pippo O'Connor. Um, it's like a baby pinkish colour. Um, Pippo O'Connor will be highly known on Instagram and everything. She's an absolutely gorgeous woman, very inspirational. And, and that's why I went to it. It's like it's a little beauty in a cup, Pippo O'Connor. Speaking of Instagram, has that been instrumental in getting the word out there? It, it's been it's been my go-to platform, really. It really has. Um, without Instagram, I'm actually not sure if my business would be where it is today. I run competitions on it, give away freebies, especially with students. I mean, they're my target market. And I mean, people around my age, anywhere from you're looking at the age of 16 these days upwards, they're on Instagram. So they're constantly looking through their feed. And I mean, if it's popping up on their feed and their best friend has it, they want to go try it out. They want to see what all the buzz is about, you know. Um, so Instagram has been huge for me and I'm very, very grateful for it, to be honest. 
and so people know from it where you're going to be from day to day you're here in Newcastle West on a Saturday and then other days of the week where do they find you? Exactly so I'll always put up a post on Instagram where I'm going to be for that week um, on like Thursdays I'm in Shannon Market on Castle Troy on, on a Friday Saturday I'm in Newcastle West and then Sundays a lot of the time I do have private events so like Holy Communion bookings um, or little festivals now because they're getting back up and running even this Sunday we're in Tipperary Town um, at a big cycle festival which is nice it's nice to have those little events back which are social distancing it's really nice to see it um, but like I said it's just raw frozen yogurt on Instagram and uh, once you pop on there you'll see where we are each week and in terms of your vision for the business, you know, it's very new at the moment, but you have that business background from GMIT. What's the next step? Where do you see yourself going with it? Exactly. I mean, like I said earlier, I wanted to base in Limerick. Obviously, that's where I'm from. That's where I knew most of my friends would support, the public would support. But I wanted to see if it would take off a Limerick first. And I was like, if it can take off a Limerick, it can absolutely take off anywhere else. There's absolutely no reason it can't. Um, so my plan is for now is to get this trailer in top tip shape hopefully get another trailer and expand from there I mean ideally you're talking in the next 10 years I would absolutely love to have my own shop um, frozen yogurt is a great addition to Limerick and I want people to wake up in the morning instead of going I'd love an ice cream man I'd love a frozen yogurt it's lower sugar it's lower calories it's actually more beneficial than ice cream and if people I often get people to come up to me who are lactose intolerant uh, or even slightly lactose intolerant, they find the frozen yogurt easier to digest by the way it's processed. Um, so I want, to, I want to build that vibe around going out in the mornings and getting that healthier treat than just opting for your ice cream. Well, Suzanne, I have no doubt you're going places with Tippy, is it called? That's Tippy, She's Tippy the Tippy, horse box. Tippy the horse box. Congratulations on being so innovative. It's been lovely to talk to you today. Thanks, Millie Continued Sharon. success with it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me as well. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to budding food entrepreneur Suzanne Nash, a GMIT graduate from Askeaton. And I met Suzanne at the Newcastle West farmer's market to find out all about raw which is her frozen yogurt food truck and earlier on in the program we were joined by chef Grania O'Keefe who shared details of her culinary career to date which includes her newly opened May restaurant in Dublin and this weekend's chef supper club bring the restaurant home experience which is a unique Sunday lunch menu inspired by the tastes and flavours that Grania remembers from her childhood visits to her grandparents in Leitrim. If you're just tuning in now and you missed that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now our final guests this evening are farming couple Michael and Mary Ida McCarthy who farm in Fina in West Limerick. At the end of August, Ornua and the National Dairy Council announced the 12 farming families from eight counties representing 12 dairy co-ops nationwide 
who had reached the finals of the 2021 National Dairy Council and Kerry Gold Quality Milk Awards. The awards, dubbed the Oscars of the dairy world, recognise and celebrate the highest standards of excellence in dairy farming with a focus on milk quality, animal welfare and sustainable farming practices. The overall winner of the awards was announced at a small outdoor award ceremony at Moor Park Dairy Open Farm last Wednesday and congratulations to the McCarthy family who were the recipients. I was thrilled to talk to Michael and Mary Ida by Zoom last Friday to find out more about farming with their son Alex and the impact that the award has had on them and the local community. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Michael and Mary Ida, you're very welcome to the best possible taste. Many thanks for taking the time out of what I would imagine is a very busy schedule on a farm to talk to me. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on such a wonderful award. Michael, just tell us exactly the, the formal title of the award that you and your son Alex have received. I suppose it's, strictly speaking, it's called the NDC, which is the National Dairy Council and Kerrygold Award. Plus quality milk, obviously, but it's it's more than quality milk at this stage. It has to be environmental, I suppose, uh, less emissions. There's more quality milk is, is the entry point, but it it, it broadens into uh, four or five different categories after that as well. And look, before we talk a bit more about your farm and all those different aspects of it that were used in the judging process. I want to find out a bit more about your farm out in Fina. It's been in your family for a long time, I believe. Oh, going back, we, the farthest back we can trace is the 1850s, I think is what we have. My mother died what, about five years ago. We've, we got a lot of uh, information in the bottom of a drawer, We're going back in history and time in memorial, call it what you like. So we are the fifth, is it, and Alex is the sixth generation that we know of, yeah. We can't go back pre-famine, I suppose. And you yourself, did you ever have any plans to do something else rather than farming, or did you just grow up in the farm and that's always what you were going to do? Uh, yeah, that's funny because um, I suppose I, I'm the middle of eight uh, siblings. I had an elder brother who I was dreading might be there before me <laughs> when he came to the farm. Uh, but I was always interested in animals and things like that. Touch wood. Veterinary would have uh, been my second choice, I suppose, if I didn't get on the farm. But uh, no, I was always knee deep and the school bag would come home and even probably got chucked under the table and up to feed the cows or up to meet the cows. And the school books were probably were always second best when it came to farming, a second choice. But, we got there. Yeah, no, I loved it. And I suppose it was always my dream to be farming, yeah. And you must be delighted then that Alex is, is going to carry on the, the family tradition. But I have to ask you, Mary Ida, my father-in-law always says that a farmer walks up the aisle with a full farm of land and he comes down <laughs> the aisle with half a farm of land. So he has to be very particular whenever it comes to choosing a wife. Are you from a farming background yourself? Yeah, I would have been involved in farming from a young age, yes, yeah. Um, we had rented a farm for years when we were kids. I think it's to keep, to keep us busier during the summer holidays and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I would have had an interest in farming. So I've told Michael that 
when I moved in over here and started milk cows, all I needed was a refresher course. <laughs> I knew the basics. So no, um, the half the farm is still a one piece. So we never, I never took my share of it. Being honest now, Sham. But no, I do. I enjoy it. And from the start, I suppose I was um, a Bank of Ireland official, staff, a staff member for, I suppose, eleven years. And then when we married and the family started to come. In, we made a decision, look, would it be family full-time and expand our Michael Farm and babysit and I continue working with the Bank of Ireland. So we took the decision to go family full-time and Mike, we expanded and uh, kept expanding and we were a family unit. And that's where I came from at that stage. And that was my starting point in being full-time farming. And having a banking background like that, you probably brought a great set of skills into the family business because whenever it is a family business, you need to be able to do the production, the packaging, the dealing with the suppliers, dealing with your vets, dealing with the animals, all that paperwork, marketing, like you have to be so multi-talented and be able to turn your hand at so many things. So Michael, I'm sure Mary Ida was a huge asset to the family business from day one. Absolutely, Sean. I mean, and, and the, the, the lovely thing about Mary Ida was she loved the farming as well, side aspect of it. And I suppose as time went on, we all loved paperwork and uh, administration. And every, uh, there was many more paperwork and administration at, once in, at one time than there was actual farming, you know. But thank God that has improved. And Mary was brilliant at that, like, and as well as God, she often tucked in and meet the cows when I wasn't around or building or at something else. There was never, she was never afraid of it. I suppose a, a funny story, I suppose, going back in 1970, we discovered the last night I was talking to my brother John. But my father won the Quality Meek Award Manager in 1971. I think she was going back. Fina Creamer was nominated, and that was the time of uh, Jim Gibbons and Con Holly in the family of John. But there was deadly excitement, and we discovered that Mary's father was actually in the runner-up spot, and my father was the winner. So I could do nothing else but marry her, to put the two, <laughs> put the two quite together. So. <laughs> so 50 years later, their punch name is after winning the title again. I said, when it's some, you know, the way things can turn out. That's wonderful, and you know, hopefully, in another twenty-five years, one of the the grandchildren will be exactly. able to say they're the third in the family to win it. But I would imagine now the criteria in the seventies to the criteria oh. today has changed so much. Talk me through a bit about the changes you have seen in farming from whenever you were a small boy, and and in particular about the sustainability aspect of things. Yeah, I suppose uh, the one thing that didn't change, I suppose, was quality. Yeah, that was always up in front, up in centre. With the farming that we have always done, and my father before me, and Alex now is coming on board, and it's obviously a continuation of that trend. But I suppose farming, oh God, what hasn't changed? First of all, I suppose that time my father reared the age was with 36 cows and we had the family and put uh, through second education and third level education and uh, the family. So that was a huge thing that time. I mean, that, that would be a no, no, no. I mean, so, uh, and I suppose the next big change then was the type of farming. Um, that time it was open, slurry pits, it was silage effort, wasn't a problem. So I suppose, then the, I suppose the farming practices came into uh, a big change over in probably the 80s, 
90. We were farming ourselves since what, 89, maybe? 89, yeah. 89. We took over completely in the transition period. My father was working with us, so that has changed a good bit. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, farming has had, has had to get bigger to survive. And, um, you know, local cream at that time, I think at one stage, there was up in 80 or 90 suppliers. And then the cream closed in the, I think, 74 or 5, I think we were, I'd say you'd be looking to count 20 suppliers now in the Panache of Fina, of which probably four or five suppliers are supplying probably 70, 60-70% of the milk from the Panache, you know. Um, environmentally, I would never fear too much because farming is an evolving business. It will never stand still. And farming 10 years ago is not the same as it was now, and it won't be the same in 10 years' time. And I suppose being, a, being a open to change maybe is probably the biggest fear like uh, of a lot of people. Uh, not, not, sorry, not being open to change. No, it had, no. Farming is still a difficult job, and I suppose, look, it has lots of rewards as well. Your son, Alex, now is in the business with you for, for a few years, and he must bring then new skills and a new outlook to it, because he has travelled a bit before he came to the farm full time. <laughs> he has, and the big, big thing that um, he has brought is the actual technology side of things. And while we were all able to measure grass, but he was the old-fashioned way we do the soil will boot and and I suppose I enjoy that part with the, the actual natural skill you, you had to have. The computer now in for my generation is needed. Is needed. It probably measures too much for my liking. Uh, but so be it. And uh, that's I suppose you can measure things, you can uh, you can predict things, you can I suppose as a bit more um, certainty going forward, you know. Well, we, we, we watch the forecast, we're depending on things to go right as far more. No, just overall technology, overall mm. technology. Yeah, and plus the skill levels he has, and of course, look, myself and my writer were looking at, what, four or five years ago, if he, we didn't ask him to come home, he was voluntary. We would never ask to do that. He was up to themselves if they wanted to do it, if they didn't, so be it. And as well, we were looking at a stage in our life, maybe cutting back slightly. We didn't want to leave the business because we just liked it too much, but you know, a lot of work and uh, we built it up ourselves. We did a lot of our own buildings, a lot of our own work, I suppose, and we did a lot, a lot of hard work. But uh, she wants me to retire now while I'm still in one piece. Well, maybe Sammy retire, um, Mary. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I just I don't know if you're ready for the full retirement, so I won't introduce it. But I suppose coming back to the technology, Sharon. I suppose Alex was a daughter of technology and the skills, and I suppose he's more or less probably managing the grasslands yes, now, big time, yeah. big time. And you know, there's grass tech, and there's uh, all sorts of farm groups that are involved with grass and that sort of thing. So, yeah, he's he's brought an offer to the technology and that. Plus, he is um, he was mechanicing for ten years with John Gary's Garbage and Kilmedia. so he has brought the the skills to the machinery side of things as well, you know, that, um, so, yeah, there's, a, there's an awful lot of bonuses now, I have to say. I suppose, Sean, he has disciplined us a bit more as time, time-wise. I mean, farmers, we often tend to walk away into the night and we, we don't have a starting time or a finishing time. But that's the one thing he brought to the farm, like you have a starting time and a finishing time. Uh, no, a certain time of the year, obviously not. Mm. So, look, we, that was a change that we, I suppose, was strange that 
Mm. But no, we wouldn't go back. You know. Plus, I suppose there's more family more, away, away yes, time. You know, we've kind of co we cover one another if there's something on or if they want to go away or we want to go away for a couple of days. We're going away next week now. So uh, Alex and James, our younger son now has just finished Palace Kenry. He's done his green cert. So he's kind of in a transition as to where his career will take him for the next couple of years. So, but like they're covering for us and we'll cover for them if they want to do something. So, you know, it is really still the family unit and... Everything is kind of still, we're all for just, I suppose James is still very young, so he's trying to say, make up his mind as to what he wants to do. But do you know, it is, it is still going strong and we're still liking it. And as you say, we have more time off between us now. It's great to hear about the work-life balance there, because I think when somebody opens their fridge in the morning and they pull the carton of milk out, a lot of people wouldn't have any understanding or appreciation what goes on behind the scenes to make that milk the quality that it is and get it to the consumer and you've talked a lot there Michael about the grass and the grass quality is really important whenever it comes to milk quality the animal welfare side of things because what a lot of people may not know about me that my first job after university was working on a research project for a company in Northern Ireland that made orthopedic shoes for dairy cows and you right. you totally understand what that is all about whereas yeah. at the time when I got that job people would be looking at me to say cows wear shoes and it was like no if you break your leg you need crutches so if cows are having problem with their feet they need this orthopedic shoe just to, because if they're in pain it totally affects their their milk yield and the quality of the milk so that animal welfare side of things is really important and their diet is so important it's huge i mean if a cow like you say has hot like she she needs time off for that like to heal a lot of farmers maybe got cut up slightly in uh, when expansion came Probably facilities. Uh, it happened ourselves because when Alex came home, it was we were 120, 125 cows. All of a sudden, they went to 140, 145. And I kind of said to Alex, Look, no, stop one there because we have to get the facility in first. And uh, feeding the face is hugely important. Animal comfort, even within the sheds, is hugely important. Uh, to be able to walk around and have uh, comfortable mats under them. And, like there's no shed in the yard now at the moment that wouldn't have either mats or slats or straw or scratching posts. Scratching posts, even that was another thing we put in a lot of uh, you know and cows are creatures of habit and they like their comforts. A comfortable cow is a happy cow and she'll come to you in the field and she'll trust you and you know, I suppose um yeah, look, we take it for granted, but we just love the the animal side of things and the, the cows are looked after and things like that. And it's a huge, huge part of it. And a cappy cow, you can see her on the field, she's comfortable, she's a good shiner, she's a uh, body condition is excellent, and uh, she's walking properly, you know. And uh, you, she, she, you'll get a return on that, like you'll get a huge return on that. And of course, the, the return that you've got recently is that fantastic award. So congratulations again. The, I suppose the enormity of the prize and the accolade is still sinking in. You know, I mean, we're, I suppose we went up, we were one of 12 finalists. We went up with the same humble hope that we would win. I uh, had no idea. And um, so like, I mean, it was a shock. It was a surprise. It was wonderful. All sorts of emotions ran through that morning. 
when our name appeared on the screen as the overall winners. So we uh, appreciated it and it's lovely and I suppose we're still on the ground, but we're yeah. kind of are running a little higher than usual. The amount of people have uh, even written cards, uh, phoned us, text us, they'll put it on Facebook, put it on. Oh, sure. I mean, so, and I suppose we're from a small country, we feel it can meet you. Like, I mean, it's out in the middle of the country, and I suppose it's we have the life of the parish. And mm. plus, the fact, I, was, I suppose, to thank Kelly. I mean, Kelly, John, the owner of Kelly, the quality of Milka, well, for first of all, Trusting and believing in us. Putting us through and kind of wouldn't take no for an answer. As I said to him yesterday, I think the first evening he called, I christened him a few nice words when he left the gate that evening, like wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> but I, I had to apologise and say, you, you were right, John. You had, but like, as he said that time, we were ticking all the boxes and you have a lot of boxes to tick now. Like, you know, so, mm. but look, we've always adapted and been open to new technology and new ideas. And I suppose, Try and be ahead of the curve rather than being pushed, rather, you know, walk slowly rather than being pushed. You know, so that's been our motto all our life. So I suppose it paid off. It's nice. It's a wonderful actually. Don't what done. And know. tell me, what have you done to celebrate? Um, nothing. Two drinks. <laughs> <laughs> in, our, in a local pub. I on the night, I think we had, we said we better go out and do something because we just were on a high that evening. So we had two drinks each in a pub in... Uh, and that was it. So I, I think there are a few other people planning other ideas. But we will see what they have come up with when they get that. It's very nice. We're enjoying it now at the moment. Yeah. Tell me about the actual award ceremony. So Kelly Harrington, she was the guest speaker and the presenter. Yeah, she's one of the ambassadors for the NDC. I think four, four or five years ago, or four years ago, when she didn't have a sponsor, I think she was looking for sponsors and NDC sponsors that I talk about. So they've acted a good winner there in Kelly, but she's a oh, she's a sweet, sweet person now. Yeah, and and the Helen Carroll of Ear to the Ground, you might know her. She was the MC for of the ceremonies. So it was funny because they, they put it up on screen, the 12 finalists, and they showed our profile and just a quick the PowerPoint the, presentation of yes. every finalist. So then when the, the finalists was to be there was category winners, there was quality winners, there was a, we won as well the environmental structure. Infrastructure, infrastructure award. award as well. So you can see what was going like, as far as environment. We have a lot of hedges planted and no hedges planted and trees planted over the last what, three or four years. Mm. But um, then they said they'd announced the winner then through the video link as well. And they showed all the 12 finalists again. And they said the winner would come up, the screen would go blank, and then the name of the winner would come up. So Jesus, that was oh. that, that was some tension. <laughs> <laughs> that was heartbreaking now. <laughs> we nearly collapsed when we see the McCarthy family come. Uh, McCarthy came up as, as the winners. So yeah. then there was a photographer session after then with uh, the John Jordan of the NDC and Zoe Kavanagh, then Kelly Harrington had her. So we did a lovely photograph of Kelly with I sharing her gold medal and yeah, the, gold medal. the two men who were raising the the, the, the trophy, the cup. So. It was lovely and it was a wish was it was a very jolly occasion. Everybody was in great form and it was all outdoors and mm. it was a very natural city. But Kelly Kelly was uh, she was the real star. Yeah, but she exactly. threw it all back to the finalist over mm. the end of the day. She mm. took no credit or no limelight for herself. She was gorgeous now, lovely girl altogether. And that's always nice to hear, I think, whenever somebody meets somebody with, with such success and, and such a yeah. high profile to hear that underneath all that success, they are a genuinely nice person. Oh, oh she's a lovely, lovely girl now, lovely very, girl. Very, very grounded now. Like, 
congratulations again. Um, continued success with the farm and the development of it. Enjoy the time off and especially your break next week. And it's been lovely to talk to you both today. Thanks again for your time. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very Sharon. much, Sharon. It was a pleasure. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. And congratulations again to Michael, Mary Ida, Alex and all the family and enjoy the ongoing celebrations. And that's it for tonight, folks. Thank you so much to all of my guests, Gráinne O'Keefe, Suzanne Nash and Michael and Mary Ida McCarthy. I'll be back next week, but feel free to get in touch in the meantime. Drop me a DM on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan or an email s.noonan at live.ie. Have a great week and until next Tuesday, bon appétit. <laughs> Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!